Welcome in, everybody. Crowded Booth, we're back here with a reaction show Sunday night. Appreciate you so much for tuning in. My name is Bryce Kuhn. We've got Mr. 175K a day, Ralph Leary, in the background running things. Will Manis off uh, sucking his thumb after the just destroyed uh, by Ole Miss and they didn't get destroyed, but, you know, it wasn't like what happened on the field at Bobby Dodd Stadium. But, hey, appreciate you so much for tuning in. My name is Bryce Kuhn. Before we get started, this show is presented by Section 103. I'm rocking the hoodie here tonight. Make sure you check it out wherever. They've got some great deals, and one of the best deals you're going to find there on the market is some of the best gear that we're going to see, uh, Any anything Georgia Tech, honestly, and you get 10% off when you use code CRADABOO. Thanks so much for piling in. Get your comments in. Get your questions in. As we talk, ladies and gentlemen, we talked today about this game and, you know, just, just kind of the overall thoughts. And, and look, this has been something where the conversation, it's been brewing for quite the, quite a while, uh, you know, now as we get into the initial thoughts on the loss to Boston College. I talked about last week, and I've got the stats pulled up. We're going to talk offense, we're going to talk defense, and we're going to talk about where we go from here. But... When you look at this game coming in, I labeled it as a must-win game. I think a lot of folks obviously felt the same way about that too. Is is that this game, it needed to happen where Georgia Tech needed to win to get to a bowl game, to continue, I would say, to reestablish a lot of confidence from a lot of fans in what Brent Key is building uh, in Atlanta. It needed to get this on the right track in terms of, yes, I know you're coming off a bye week. Yes, I know that you just won two uh, against Miami to build some momentum. Uh, but I think my initial thought watching the game was ju just demoralizing. You know, this is something where when you see what has transpired on the field, what has transpired – uh, there, there's just a lot of things, you know, disappointed with the, uh, I would say the verbiage and the, uh, the language used in the postgame pressers. Uh, that's something for me that I just, uh, I don't like, wish I could be a part of those to, you know, ask, ask some of the tough questions th that need to be asked about this program, uh, need to be asked about where this team's going and what's going on because, there's a lot of things, and we're going to talk about that. The initial thoughts, I'll, we'll sit here with this. Uh, we're going to talk offense. We're going to talk defense. Like I said, we're going to talk about where we go from here. But this team has has to figure out a way to not allow this to snowball into something that could be really bad. Uh, a lot of people like to come on our channel, and they like to say, well, yeah, you know, Bryce wore a Georgia jersey at one point, and so he wants Georgia Tech to be just absolutely terrible. I promise you that I would not be doing a show dedicated solely to Georgia Tech just to spite a team that Georgia fans don't even care about. So I promise you that, if that's how I felt. I think the the demor this is a demoralizing loss, but this is this is going to really, in my opinion, in to we're gonna see what this team's made of. We're gonna see what this what this what's the mental um what's the mental fortitude uh, of this team you know i think there's a lot of questions about that uh, you know this this team's not they're not very good and they are not executing at a great level and 
I think Aaron Holland just hit on that comment right there where he goes, the identity is inconsistency. And it's one of the big things that I talked about on Thursday had to happen if this team was going to win, if this team was going to find any success. Every single time this team takes a step forward, they take two steps back. That's kind of how I've left feeling, feeling I left, you know, um, left my apartment watching this game. Uh, you know, just every single time any type of momentum is generated, it's then dashed the next week. We can talk about 21 points unanswered in the fourth. We can talk about the fact that you had 10 guys on the field multiple times. Um, we can talk about all of these things. At the end of the day, the lack of attention to detail and the question marks of, you know, I, I haven't, I, I will say this, and because I, I don't want to, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say it as the God-given truth because I did not hear this. But there's been a lot of social media posts out here, including in our Discord and in other places as well, of talking about when Brent Key did his radio interview, talking about, you know, having to, in so many words, saying separate who wants, figure out who wants to be here and who doesn't want to be here. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are in week number seven or eight, and you are still trying to figure out who wants to be here and who doesn't want to be here, that's that's a that's not a reflection on anybody else except for the staff. If you if, if that weeding out process is having to take place in season, that's that's awful. Like that's just bad. Like it's just not good. It's bad. So I think there's a lot that we need to learn. I think that the folks that came in and came in at me where, and I will say this too, for me personally, this is about how I thought this season would go. Not in the sense that I thought they'd beat Miami like they did. I predicted before the season started that this was going to be something where we saw this team have about, sitting that five to seven win range, seven being best case scenario, I thought, five being a scenario where, uh, you, that should be the floor. I think it should have been the floor for this team. And now we're having to realistically ask ourselves here, is this a situation where you can, honest to God, look at this schedule and say you're going to beat another team? I'll wait. Because I think that folks walked into this Boston College game and they assumed, and it's not everyone. It's it's a it's a I think it's a small but vocal section of the fan base that looks down upon other teams because of some idea that they've conjured up in their head that Georgia Tech should be beating these teams. Should Georgia Tech probably have won the game on Saturday? There's an argument of yes, they should have. I'm going to tell you why I don't think they did, or I'll tell you why I don't. I think that they didn't the reason why they didn't win. Well, I think so. But the idea that this team should walk into any game and be had the fan base feeling 110% confident that you're going to win the game, it's gone. It's gone. There's no argument for it. There's none. None off a bye week, none off a we, – we, we can hope. There's a difference between saying there's an expectation of they should, should, they should do it but a guarantee, there's no such thing as a guarantee team win with this team. It is, it's absolutely the biggest roller coaster that I think any college football fan could ride at this moment. 
And so, look, we're not going to spend the whole show dogging Georgia Tech and, and, and all these different things. I just want to sit here and say that you're, and I'll say this too, you're never as good as you think you are. You're never as bad as you think you are. I don't think that this is a situation where this team is not never going to win another game and that this program is heading in the in the in the toilet. No, I don't I don't think that. I do I think that's an overreaction. Um yeah, I agree with you there. Uh Jake GT Bo 190 and no game is guaranteed. It shouldn't be. Like there there should be no sense of entitlement. And I think that's what drives me insane to hear some of the post game press conferences of and and the verbiage that's been used over the past month of well we overlooked what gives you the right what gives you the right to overlook anybody what gives you what have you conjured up into yourself that thinks you're going to walk into a stadium because you've proven nothing this team has proven zero in the sense of being able to go somewhere and take care of business we can't begin to talk about consistent bowl games. We need to avoid conversations about fan interaction. We need to avoid um, any type of high-level conversation about this sport. If you repeatedly can't understand how to get 11 players on the field consistently, guys, that's not a problem in week eight we should be having here. It's not. It's a reflection, and I told you this on Thursday. I was going to be concerned if we saw a lack of preparedness out of this group. Now, there were some spots where you felt good about it. There were some spots where you felt, uh, you know, okay. But that being said, man, you know, some of the initial thoughts we've had here, I think this was the worst coach game we've seen this season. I think that it was – I think Boston College was the better team on Saturday. I think Boston College was the better coach team on Saturday. This wasn't something where Georgia Tech just let this game get away and they were the better team. I think that's a storyline that needs – or an idea that really, really needs to – you really just needs to be thrown away. Like the idea that Georgia Tech is just letting these games get away from them or letting them go – no, these other teams are executing. Bowling Green executed. This is a game of execution. When you don't, you're not going to win no matter who you play. Georgia Tech is not talented enough to not execute and win games like I would say, and Ralph's in the background, Ralph, maybe 10 to 15 programs in the country can get away with that, where they don't really execute at a high level and they can still win. Georgia Tech is not even in the stratosphere of being able to do that. You say, well, you're dogging on the program. No, I am not. Look at the look at the results. I'm not making this opinion off of a based of fluff. We're basing it off the results and the data points given. They can't do it. On Saturday, Boston College executed what they needed to do, executed their game plan. Dr. Bob's all over it. And just did it more consistently. And so it just—it's why that I sit in this chair here on Sunday night, and I can't even say that like I'm mad about it, because this team—you just—I don't care if you're a first-year head coach. You can't have the type of issues that this group's having. 
the idea that they have no talent is is not real. That they have talent, but the lack of execution, um, the lack of attention to detail. I mean, if 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 it is a player's fault, no, I, thank you, pro. Please appreciate that. If it is a player's fault that he was not on the field when you needed eleven players in the field, I mean. Ralph, I, I don't know if I've even ever seen anything like that. Do you? Do you? I mean, have you? I mean, is that something we see like in Pee Wee football? Like you multiple times. I don't know the exact number. I saw that, but this is not out of anyone else's mouth. It's what Brinkey said post game. Multiple times, ten players were on the field. Multiple times. I don't even know what in the world that means. I have no clue what we're talking about right there. Multiple times in the uh, Notre Dame Ohio State game, the very end, they had one. They had uh, okay, I got you, I got you. I'm yes, apologies there, Sea Dog. And and thank you. Didn't mean to call you out there, Sea Dog. I was had moved on from the point. Didn't didn't really think about it. I like it. I just I just sit here. I just can't believe it. Multiple times. And I see some comments about growing pains. I, I this this is this is the thing for me, okay? And we'll 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 move on to the offensive defense, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. The idea that it's growing pains, growing pains are not multiple times having 10 players on the field. That that that's not a growing pain. This is division one power five college football in the ACC. It's a it's a conference that so far has survived conference realignment. You don't play in this conference and multiple times not have 11 guys on the field because they weren't paying attention or – I mean, I don't even know. Like, I, I mean, he doesn't even know. They're going to have to figure that out in, internally. That is not a growing pain. A growing pain is having, you know, a, a young defense – and this is hypothetical – a young defensive player trying to, you know, learn the role. Uh, a young quarterback trying to – it's not growing pain. It's not a growing pain. The amount of frustration that was exhibited back in December at the opening press conference of this new head coach and the idea that a lot of us sit here and know that it was embarrassing the product that was in the field last year, a lot of these things are continuing. The attention to lack of detail. The attention, the lack of detail, the just overall, like you, if you can't line up correctly, if you can't, I mean, I, I, I don't understand how we're, how we're seeing something like this. And then I don't understand how this happens after a bye week. I don't know. Let's get to Dylan Hansen's comment real quick before we, before we get to this. I don't know if it's been addressed, but I'd like to know why we called a timeout in the fourth down in the second quarter is to end up punting. This this is awful. I mean, look, and I don't care. Like, I know and this is this is one of those shows that I know that people who matter in the program and matter around the institute, they've they've tuned into this and they've watched. This is a bad coaching mistake. Listen, I will praise this staff when they get it right. And I think at times they've been able to get things right. This is bad. When you called a timeout just to punt the football. Take the take the delay of game and back yourself up. 
So to end the kind of thoughts on the initial reactions, I think that all of the focus was because the thought process for me and what I took away from Brent Key's opening presser is say, hey, look, we may lose games because we're trying to build something here and there's going to be the growing pains that a lot of folks will uh, a lot of folks will talk about, and that's fine. We can talk about the growing pains of this program. What you can't have is mental errors, the lack of attention to detail that we have seen cycle through the past four years under the previous regime. You cannot see, you can't have that. And the message was, we're going to be able to do that. We're going to be able to take care of those things and we're going to fight. And I think a lot of people could live with the fact, and I know that there's fans that we want to see big wins. We want to see all these things. A lot of us can live with the fact if we watch that football game and and maybe not this one in particular, but any of the games, especially against higher level competition. And we said, you know what? They played, they played their butts off, man. They executed not a lot of penalties. Like we saw in the, you know, certain games early in the season. But you know what? There's just there's just a talent gap because if you can blame it on the talent gap, or you can blame it on a, a gap in talent, a gap in uh, you know certain things like that, you you can convince yourself that that's going to get better. I cannot convince myself that getting eleven people on the field and lining up properly, coming off of a bye week. I cannot convince myself that that's something that just gets better. It's a fixable issue, but why did it happen in the first place? That's the that's the red flag for me. That's the alarm for me that I don't understand and I can't fathom and I can't get. Uh, Ralph, I want you to star Matt Hollingworth's question about that bowl game because I do want to talk about that when we talk about where we go from here. But let's move on to the let's move on to the next thing. And I want to say this too. I'm not calling for any coaches' jobs. I'm not calling for that. This we're not going to do that on here. But I do think that there is in a sense of accountability that needs to be held to this to this program and the fact of <laughs> people didn't there's a lot of things I talked about I didn't think I'd see out of a, a Brent Key coach team and a lot of those things we have seen. Lack of toughness, a lack of passiveness at times, and a lack of certain other things at times as well. That's that's for me where it kind of gets very, very interesting in that. All right, let's go, Ralph, here to the offense. I think this is a valid question. Is the offense regressing? There's a lot of conversation about, is it Haynes King's fault or is it the receiver's fault? What's going on? Uh, You know, I will sit into this camp of, look, Haynes King ran the football very, very, very nicely. You know, uh, 10 carries, 150 yards. The kid was gassed, absolutely gassed. Um I'm going to go to some of the PFF grades here. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like PFF grades. I, I think that it is a – I'll say this. It's a really good tool. It is not – it's not It's not the end-all, be-all of what we should evaluate people off of. So I will say that. Um, I think that the offensive line is just eh. I mean, I don't think they're very, very good. I think that it's a group that is – you know, it's just continuing to struggle in the sense they've at times shown, but they're just inconsistent. So that's kind of where I sit with the offensive line. Now let's talk about these interceptions, the three picks. I want to talk about the pick six first. The pick six first, Ralph, I don't I don't know if you got to see the pick six. Um and and you know what we'll probably do, um, because what we might we might do something like this. We might do a film review later in the week to kind of look at this because I, I do want to 
I do want to kind of talk about, you know, some of the plays. Going back to the pick six, it's a back shoulder throw that Haynes King misses on. Let's not get it wrong. He misses. It's more to the inside of the receiver. Defensive back, it literally gets caught in his arm and he pins it up against his body. It's just one of those things where it just kind of happens. Okay. But if you go back and watch the game, Haynes King, for the first time this year, really started to press in situations where I think he felt like nothing is really go, you know, nothing is really, um, I want to say, going fantastic in the run game. So now we're going to have to do it with my arm and started to press a little bit. The problem with that is the receivers. Now we know Eric Singleton Jr. was out due to sickness. Uh, we also know that Chase Lane played one snap, I believe, and you know, really just was a non-factor in in this game. I don't know why you teased for the past three or four weeks about he could play, could play, could play. I think that I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, and you know, this this could well, this. I, mean, I can't get in trouble anymore about it, but I do believe that the lack of disingenuous, the lack of just being disingenuous about a lot of the things that they let the media know, it's just it's completely um, asinine and it's completely, in my opinion. Um, childish, I, I think. Like, I think it's a childish thing to 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 be to be doing this and teasing. Yes, words are hard. Disingenuous. Be upfront if you want to be considered. A, if you want to, I'll tell you this. I'm down at LSU right now, and these jokers they tell us what's going on. They're very upfront from an from a SID standpoint, from a letting people know. Stop trying to protect people all the time and just be real. So let's just be real about that. That being said, we're not going to call the show. Please don't do that, Ralph. What are we doing? Get that off the screen. Please, God, right now. What? What? what yeah, no, let's don't do that. Um, is the offense regressing? I, I don't want to pin all of this on Haynes King, but there is obviously something going in with – He's pressed over the last three games. Is it Ralph? Could you could you help me out here? I think it is something where it's seven picks in the last three games. I believe that he has had. Um, we're seeing that the, when the pressure is put on him, the lack of a consistent run game. This is what happens. A lot of people don't want to own up to the fact of this is kind of what happened with Jeff Sims. Ralph's got seven. Yes, seven picks in the last three games. Four games. Three games, three games. Okay, seven, seven picks in the last three games. It's uh, it's 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 not good. Uh, you know the passing grade was a fifty four point seven. It was actually a, a season worst forty two point three. The pass blocking was nice, and I appreciate that GT Bow Hunter. Um, I do I do think that it's where the run blocking for me has. They've just got to be able to be consistent. So you have turnovers. You can't do that offensively. You know, is this group progressing? If we're going to be honest with ourselves, there were always going to be growing pains offensively. I can live with certain things. I'm still really disappointed, I think, in you know some of the play calling. I think I'm also disappointed in different usage at different times. Um, you know, Dante Smith, that's another kind of interesting storyline with what's what's happening with Dante Smith. Trey Cooley receiving a bulk of carries when maybe Jamal Haynes is starting to find a stride. It's just one of those things where it's just weird. It's just a weird, weird concept. 
of how they're still doing some things. Uh, I also want to say this, Avery Boyd has to see the field more. Avery Boyd is a physical specimen that they're lining up at receiver. He scored a touchdown and essentially a tunnel screen play where they he was the third wide out out, okay? And we're going to show this on film later this week. The two inside receivers go up and block. He comes underneath, wide open. He's got one man to beat. This guy is a physical specimen. Avery Boyd, whether he needs to be playing tight end, which I think that he does, I think he needs to be tight end number one, or receiver, the guy's got to be on the field. Got to be on the field. Uh, he's he's proven that much to me. A lot of people want to have a conversation about the quarterback position, about Zach Pyron, about Haynes King. I will tell you this, I do agree with you can't yank a quarterback at the first sign. Let's we'll talk about this. You can't yank a you can't yank a quarterback at the first sign of any trouble. But seven picks of the last three games starts to show us a, a a trend here. You know, so would it mean anything that you know that Pyron is going to, you know, come in and, and you know, beat Clemson, you know, or beat a North Carolina. So Randall says those benching say those saying bench King does Pyron make those two plays in the Miami game. I don't really care. Uh, I don't really care about the Miami game anymore, honestly. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. So I, I do, I do believe that there needs to be some conversations because this is what I was able to take away in the fall. This battle was very, very close, and they decided to go with a guy with veteran experience. If this is a situation where it really was as close as people around the program have said it was, maybe you just give these guys a different look. You got to find some type of spark because, you, and we're going to talk about it later in the week about North Carolina, but you're facing a pro, a team that. You know, they're coming off a loss, and I don't know if you're going to catch them really overlooking anything. So I think we're going to have to see. I mean, like, I think North Carolina is going to, if it's not going at halftime against North Carolina, I, I would say I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to giving a different look here you, because seven interceptions through three games for one guy is starting to uh, show a trend. And yeah, and look, you know, not having a guy like Eric Singleton out there, the guy was sick, he didn't play. Uh, that's a difference maker. I mean, Singleton is a bona fide player. So it's going to be very interesting. Offensively, I think this group is coming back down to the mean, but it's uh, it's it's really interesting. And then in the second half, I mean, the fourth quarter, just unable to really do anything. Going to pull off this kind of drive chart. Boston College, listen to this, the fourth quarter. The only reason Boston College stopped scoring in the fourth quarter is because time ran out. Time literally ran out of the game. First drive of the fourth quarter, touchdown. Second drive, touchdown. Third, touchdown. So, look. You go to Tex, fourth quarter drives, they got three of them. Punt. Interception, fumble. Three turnovers, you fumbled it twice, um, adding on to that that you'd recovered. 
you essentially put the ball on the turf or into a potential, have a potential of losing the football five times, and they they were able to take it away three times. You can't win a game. Um, offensively, this was really disappointing to me because I think that there have been some things that you have to say you like about the offense. The passing game has shown a semblance of life we haven't seen since they made the move from triple option. Uh, you've seen some you know potential big plays that have been hit, but man, it's just, just the inconsistency and the lack of the the inability to run the football is just nuts. Um, so you know, all in all, is this all on Haynes King? I don't think so. I think that the receivers did a bad job of getting separation in this game. It created tight windows, and he had to try and go make plays. And when he did, he made the wrong decision, or Boston College made a good play. So that's going to be something very interesting. Let's switch it over to the defense here. Once again, make sure you tune in. Section 103, greatest stuff you're going to find on the market. Lack of consistency continues to hurt this defense. I would say lack of consistency, and, and this is what gets me. It's one or two things at this point, guys. It's you cannot win games you get 562 yards a game. Yeah, you, you, you're not going to beat anybody. You know, I cover LSU too. Unless you got LSU's offense, you're not going to beat anybody giving up 562 yards a game. It's just not going to happen. This team, defensively, I, I don't even really understand how to put my finger on it with what's kind of happening. I'm going to start here with the eye discipline. We're going to take a look at this in the the film session i just got a text from my guy here he's working he's working so hard shout out i like it i like it I'm gonna, i'll text you right afterwards michael the uh the lack of eye discipline for this group it's astonishing because at some point you have to just do your job. At some point, I just, I don't understand it. Like I, I don't even really, I don't know. Star Matt's comment again. I just, I got to We got to talk about that later on because I don't, I don't know. Um, defensively, the, 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 the lack of eye discipline, it's just, it's just wild. It's just ridiculous to watch. I mean, you look at some of the plays that they're able to make. I know they had one play earlier on in the game. They had the tight end. He kind of faked a drag route, and then he just kind of leaked it out uh, and ran up the field. And linebacker play, which I think has been absolutely abysmal this year, uh, they, they're looking in the backfield. They're not paying attention. So, you know, <laughs> it's you're cool, Michael. No worries. That being said – this is something where I just don't I don't buy into the fact of like you it's just something where it's it's just discipline. You can't that's just something that's there. And if these guys don't have it, then I don't know how you can convincingly say I don't know. I don't I don't know. It's I, I don't even really know what to say. Like I, I think it's just it's just bad. It's bad eye discipline when this group plays aggressive, they play out of control. They can't tackle. When they play passive, they can't tackle either. And then they're getting beaten. They're playing reactionary. It's a lot what we talked about on Thursday. They can't play reactionary, especially against a mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterback is just absolutely dominating this defense. Um they're rotating way too many defensive linemen in where you can't keep the chemistry. You can't keep guys who are playing necessarily well in the field. 
the secondary for me has just been a it's just been I, I think I have to ask myself this with the secondary is you have to understand that all 11 have to play well together. So you can have great players in the secondary, but you can have bad players up front that force the secondary to do things they're not supposed to do. I think a little bit of that has happened this season. I think that we, if I wanted to put my finger on something, I think that the linebacker position has been the undoing of this entire defense. It has forced the secondary to have to uh, play more physical against the run, and you see guys that lead the tackles of the team, and it's a lot of guys in the secondary. It's because your linebacker play is ridiculous. And I will say this too, the, the idea that this team was able to just – or the, it's true. They have to capitalize on turnovers. If you are not getting turnovers with this team, then you're really not going to be able to do a lot because they can't really move the ball offensively consistently. The defense really isn't stopping anybody. And it's just, I think it's, I think it's a frustrating thing for a lot of fans to watch and rightfully so, but I think the linebacker play was the undoing of this. I mean, you go to the comparison here, if we're looking at the stats here, we're looking at big plays and a lot of people said, Oh, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Uh, they, they, they talk about this uh, and the st- kind of the stat broadcast world where a gain of 15 plus yards in the passing game is deemed an explosive play. Ted gave up seven of those. Okay, they gave up a 45-yard pass play to Robicho, who was the backup running back. They were missing their starting running back in this game and their right tackle. And that's something, too. If you're a fan that wants to talk about we were missing this, this, and this, everybody's missing somebody. It's about execution standing up. You can't just sit there and, and say, um, you can't, I don't know, you, you, you can't just you can't just sit there and make excuses over and over again just because you want to be a fan of the Golden Navy, I, a Golden White, I, whatever you want to call it. I get it. I understand it. We're not trying to dog on your program here because we look, we, we do this show. It's not it's something that we obviously care about, but we have to be real about this. You can't give up plays of 45, 30, 20, 31, 27, 19, and 19 through the air to win a football game. Add on to the fact you can't give up rushing plays of 12, 11, 12, 24, 30, 43, 57, and 10. Is Kai Robichaud really a Columbus Georgia native? Well, who do he play for, Ralph? Shout out Kai Robichaud. That's awesome. Well, at least, you know, something good happened there. Um, Georgia Tech had one play of over 20 yards on the ground. It was Haynes King's 71-yard touchdown run. They had two plays over 20 yards passing. 37-yard pass from Haynes King to Trey Cooley and a 29-yard pass to Christian Leary. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you just – you really – you really just look at it and it's just kind of amazing. Like, it's it's just kind of crazy like when you look at the stats of – you are, it's not a winning formula. And this defense can't consistently get off the field. Uh, they really, in my opinion, have struggled. I mean, look, let's look at this. The top, this is nuts. All right, ready for this? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six. Out of the six, top six tacklers in this game, okay? LaMiles Brooks was number one. Clayton Powell Lee was number two, KJ Wallace number three, Spider Sims number four. That is your four 
essentially starting defensive backs. KJ Wallace kind of in that nickel spot at times. And if you're playing nickel to start off the game, it is whatever. Four out of the six are leading in tackles. That's not a recipe for success for your secondary to be able to be doing that all the time. It's it's not. You just can't do that. And Kyle Robichaud went to Glenwood. Shout out Phoenix City, Alabama. Lee County or wherever it is. Russell County. I don't know what it is. Um, I have no idea what county Phoenix City is in, by the way, Ralph. Not a freaking clue. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't have four out of your six guys. You can't, that just can't happen. Like it's just, you're not going to be successful uh, doing, doing that. So uh, altogether, man, I mean, this defense just didn't play well. Uh, Zeke Biggers, Daquan Dallas really didn't make a big, you know, Makai Scott, Kevin Harris. I mean, there just wasn't really a good spot. Also, let's talk about this. Braylon Oliver played. Andre White has played. Kyle Eifert has played. Um, Paul Moala has played, which, I mean, I, it, I'm not even going to say what I want to say about that. And then, obviously, Trinise Tatum has played. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's not normal to play that many linebackers. You can paint it. You can spin it as we have a lot of talent. Folks, they don't have two they can trust for the full aspect of a game. They don't. They don't have They These guys are not able to consistently make plays. And so they're just having to rotate these guys and out, hoping they can find catch lightning in a bottle. And it's not working. It's not working for the linebacker position. So it leads me to this, the final kind of segment of the show. Then we're going to get to your, then we're going to get to your, uh, your, your comments. What's next? Very, very simple. Um, I said it earlier. I don't, I don't even have an expectation for the rest of the season, I think, because I don't even know what to expect because if you're in our discord and I encourage you to, it's great conversation. You can join the link down in the bio below. Around four hours post-game, folks, especially when the clock hit zero between North Carolina and Virginia, a lot of fans started talking, talking it in, you know, talking themselves into the idea that Georgia Tech could go win this football game against North, you know, North Carolina next weekend. Um, and look, I get it. You know, there's an idea that, you know, you've got North Carolina's number, which is not a far off assessment, you know, that you play better as an underdog. But guys, like it's like what I've been talking about. And and fans, I get it. We want to we want to see wins so bad that we're going to hold on to and we are going to just raise up and put on a pedestal anything that good happens, regardless if it's sustainable or not. I will say this the way this team wins, the three wins they have, I would argue that none of the ways they have won are sustainable. Wake Forest is about as close as you can get. the the thing for the the thing for Wake Forest game, if you go back and look at that win, is you had so many penalties. Can you get away with that every single time? I don't think so. You can't commit double digit penalties and have over a hundred yards and penalty yards and do that. So, I understand that we are starved for wins. Let's not divide the fan base on this. But let's also be serious about it and say that this team has still not found a way to win 
in a sustainable way. So, you know, what happens next? You're going to play North Carolina. I mean, look, we can pull the schedule up and look at this. You're going to play North Carolina. Um, I see someone put down there. They're a 21 and a half point favorite. I understand that you have. I get that you have beat North Carolina, but man, it's just really hard for me to. It's really hard for me to see you winning that football game with them just getting upset. I don't know. We'll see. We'll go more in depth on the game, and I'll look at some what North Carolina has been able to do. And I see the comment, you know, you beat UNC with Jeff Sims. That's that's great, you know, but it's just one of those things where even if you win, yes, we, we can be excited about it, but is it a sustainable way to build a program? No. And I think there's just a difference that I lie with a lot of fans in saying that, one, it doesn't matter. All that matters is a W. Yes. But the idea of building a great program is finding way to find or the idea of building a great program is finding a way to stack wins on top of each other. Football doesn't work as let's just leave it up to chance and let's just see what happens. And maybe we get lucky this week and then we just look like absolute crap the next week. That's kind of where it feels like this team is. There's zero consistency across the board. There's not a real identity that I thought was kind of, you know, happening earlier in the season. And I think that's where the disappointment lies because even the wins, you can sit there and say, have we had one that's a sustainable model going forward in building a football program? And that I'm just not so sure of. I'm just not so sure of that. And I'll say this too, having been around, you know, different football coaches in, in my time covering sports, been around different staffs, you can tell the difference in folks that get that and folks that don't get that. And it's not to mitigate. Like I will say this, there was a lot of conversation between me and some fans about the Miami game. And a lot of folks were saying to me, well, it's a win. It doesn't matter. And I get that. Enjoy the win. We had a Ralph. We had a great time that Saturday night, enjoying the win. But what did I say? The 24 hour rule. And we have to realize this isn't sustainable. You have to find a way to play sustainable, consistent, balanced football. That is what makes you the difference between a, Uh, just an afterthought and just whatever in the world you want to be. So, you know, you got North Carolina coming up. You're going to go on the road to Virginia. You don't have a great history in Charlottesville. Um, You know, Virginia built some momentum with that win against North Carolina. I thought, wait one second, Ralph. Um, Had to dab on some folks there. The postman win did give us the best gift of the year. That is for sure. That is for sure correct. You know, the Virginia game, I thought that was going to be I, – I, I penciled that in preseason as that's a game you're going to win. I, I didn't think Virginia was very, very good. They are not super great, but they played well. And right now, it's another situation here of 
the same thing I would say coming into the Boston College game. Two teams that are wildly inconsistent. You can't predict. I have no clue what's going to happen. Tech came in as, what, a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Boston College, lost by 15. And I'll be honest with you, folks. I took Boston College money line, so that way I would not be hurt either way. I wouldn't be hurt either way. You're going to go on the road to Clemson. Someone said earlier in the comments, Clemson's a winnable game. By what measure? See, this is the problem I have with this. It's a lot of people worrying about what other people are doing and what other teams look like. Let's look. Let's do some self-reflection and let's look in the mirror. Who are we? We don't know. We're a deeply flawed team that's not consistent. I cannot sit here and tell you that you're going to win any game. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you that Clemson's a winnable football game because I genuinely don't know. It's not based – is it winnable because you're going to go on the road and you're playing the football game? Yeah, because just because you show up, it's a winnable game, of course. Is Clemson who they were five, three, four, five years ago? No. On paper, yes. But when we're all watching the same team. Guys, you, we can't be real with ourselves and think that this is that you that you really can go in there and win the football game. Like, unless you show me something, like I, that's why I'm saying that you are a. It's a show me. T- it's a show me. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what Tech needs to be doing to a lot of folks uh, after this season. All of this being said, you're going to go to Clemson. You're going to play Syracuse for home game, and then you're going to play Georgia. Uh, yeah, you know, look, if I had to rank these last four games and the winnability of these, I'm going to go at Virginia one. I'm going to go Syracuse two. I'm going to go North Carolina three, Clemson four, and Georgia five. And that's interesting. One is the most winnable game. Five, I don't think you have a shot. You're just too vastly inconsistent, guys. And, look, we can have fun. And I'll say this, too. I do this show because I want to see good football. And, you know, I, I I wear the tech stuff because and, – and a lot of us have a lot of hope because we want to see good quality played, hard-fought football, technically sound, assignment sound, gap sound, disciplined football. That's what we were promised in January, and that's what we want to see. In this, I will say this. We haven't seen that, and it's disappointing. It doesn't take a complete roster makeover to be able to do that. That's messaging. So one or two things are happening. The messaging's wrong or it's not getting through. So that's something there's a disconnect there I think we can all understand. In these last four games, it's there's you know, I'll be talking about um you know, changes, I don't know. Uh, we'll 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 talk about that when the time comes and time's appropriate. But this is where we are. Wildly inconsistent team and it is what it is. I mean, you can I don't choose. I don't feel like I'm also choosing to view this through a negative lens. This is reality. This team is wildly inconsistent without a way, without any proof of a way to consistently win a football game and to stack wins on top of each other. And it's that's not like if that's harsh, yes, but it's also the truth. And if we don't want to sit and face the truth, like if, if a lot of people are just fine with winning games like you beat Miami, like you beat North Carolina over the past two years, where it takes this exceptional thing to happen to win the football game, if that's what you want your program to be built on, that's fine. I will tell you right now, you're not going to have a lot of success. You won't because you, you're not. that's not a consistent formula to winning football games. What I will tell you in this is, yes, there can be some growing pains. Growing pains. There's no planes. Growing pains. Yes, there can be some certain things. But we've got to see some type of formula and foundation that gives some type of hope because I think that's the most frustrating thing as well. So 
Georgia Tech drops this game to Boston College. Uh, demoralizing win. Let's get to some of the comments and questions here, Ralph. Um, let's get to this because I want to answer some of these before we before we hang it up for the evening. And appreciate you so much for tuning in. If you want some comments, let's do it. Uh, he's a building exactly what Collins did for four years. Uh, Jonesy, I I know we know how Jonesy feels on this subject. I would say this. There hasn't been enough of a stark contrast, and I don't think you can just blame that as a lot of folks are blaming it. Well, it's not his guys. It's guys that, you know, he, he didn't have full autonomy of the roster. Guys, it's like what I'm saying, man. You don't have to have autonomy of a roster to be able to get 11 guys on the football field and guys paying attention on the sideline. Like, that's not – that has nothing to do with that. So, I think that's disappointing, and I would I would agree to a certain extent with that. It's – it's a continuation of what we've seen you just saw with that. So let's keep it rolling. We'll just cycle through these. Deeply flawed team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. One positive, no sacks on the other line. And and Dr. Bob, I did want to I did want to correct myself. And I don't think they've been exceptionally well in the offensive line. It's just been kind of eh, eh. and right now, eh is good enough for what we've seen the past couple of years. So yeah. Is that it? Oh, oh. Uh, once again, play calling from Dylan Hansen. Uh, once again, play calling on offense seemed to be vanilla and lacking in variety. Yeah, and I think as the game goes, we just see it gets vanilla and they can't do a lot, and then they get tired. And you know whether there's a mental lapse in the second half in the fourth quarter where you know I mean, once again, going to the comment of we've got to figure out the guys who want to be here. That is a wild thing to be happening. It's not my words. It's not another reporter's words. This is apparently what came out of Brent Key's mouth on the radio interview. If that was actually said, which I'd love for someone to confirm that, if that was actually said, that is very, very concerning about where this, what, what, what's going on inside the door and behind closed doors. It is, it is, and just talking with some folks who would be in the know about these types of things, it seems to be that could be the truth. That that that's not good. That's just not a not not a very good thing. So I've got uh, about 14 more comments we're going to get to here. Um, positive King ran for more positive outcomes. Thought he ran tough. Yeah, I think he did too. I think the kids he's he's a baller. I mean, but look, there's a reason he's in the portal. I mean, I will say this too about the portal. Everyone gets excited about the transfer portal, and. You know, a lot of people are going to say, well, Bryce, you're just beaten down because you've been watching Tech. No, I've covered enough portal cycles for Georgia Tech at this point to know. Georgia Tech is not a spot where guys are going to go to upgrade their situations necessarily. It's going to be far and few in between. You're going to hit on a guy like Keon White who was able to upgrade his situation from Old Dominion and then make the jump to the NFL where he's obviously been, you know, a solid player for the Patriots. But that being said, a lot of times you're either going to have to be recruiting your own roster again to be able to bring that in and be able to kind of continue to house the talent that you have. But you're also going to be kind of that maybe last chance at the Power 5 level for a bigger guy. Haynes King's that guy. That's what it is. And that's where we are with this. So until Georgia Tech starts to win consistently, they in the portal hierarchy, they're in the middle. They're a step up for a group of five potential, but any power five guy they get, they're kind of in the bottom of the barrel. So it's guys that are looking for a rebound and they're looking for a place to kind of get a fresh start. They are uh, that, um, that, you know, fresh start. So that's, that's where, 
that, that's that, that's where I sit with that. Let's keep rolling through these, Ralph, as we close in on uh, an hour-long show. Appreciate you so much for tuning in. Over 60 people watching live. Well, I didn't realize there were points where we only had 10 minutes field. That is embarrassing for coaching. Yeah, it is. It's embarrassing preparedness. It's embarrassing as a program. I mean, I think that's that's a, that's a just not good. And also love the profile picture. Fantastic movie. Ralph, you remember that movie, Dinosaur? You remember that? Fantastic film. Fantastic film. Appreciate your pro, pro plug, Walker. In my opinion, this isn't a terrible team. It's a badly coached, motivated, and low-round team. They don't know how to handle emotional highs and lows, and that starts at the top. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's keep rolling. Uh, have there been talks about an underperformance of the strength conditioning coordinator with now who's struggling in the fourth quarters and injuries? I don't know. I be honest with you, I, I couldn't, couldn't speak to that, C-Dog. Just keep, yeah, we'll keep rolling through these questions, Ralph. As soon as I read them, we'll get out of there. Team looks like that one dude off SpongeBob in a full body cast. That's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Randall, uh, if Key wants to be successful, he's got to learn um, to manage that and keep his team level-headed no matter what the situation is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree. I agree with that. Got a couple more here as we got it. Bryce, how can any Tech fans say Byron can't do better when we saw flashes last year but hasn't had a chance this year? I remember a coach who tied himself to one quarterback and cost him his job. It's a fair point. Jonesy, I think it's a fair point, and we're going to have to see how it plays out over the next uh, next half of the season. Going to be interesting to watch, that's for sure. Probably being realistic, the big question, how long does Key get turned around? My take is three years. I would say, Dr. Bob, unless next year is an, I mean, dumpster fire, which that schedule is hard. Have you guys seen the schedule? They're playing Florida State, Notre Dame, and Georgia. And I believe Clemson as well. Let me, get, let me look at that real quick, Ralph, before we get out of here. That 2024 schedule. Talked to us by our friends over at FBSschedules.com. Great website. Yeah, they're going to play Florida State and Ireland. Georgia State, which, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Don't – I'm going to tell you right now, it is October 22nd, 2023. When that game rolls around next August 31st, wherever you may be, I'm telling you right now, do not walk into that game thinking that you're going to just walk in and win. Don't do it. Do not do it. I'm warning you right now. I'm warning you right now to not do it. Uh, you're going to play the VMI Cadets. You'd like to think you could beat that, but obviously the SOCON has given uh, you know Georgia Tech struggles in the past with the Citadel. Uh, Notre Dame. Georgia, and then you're going to get your conference schedule, which will likely be uh, addended to uh, to do that. So it's uh, it, it's going to be very interesting. All right, keep going through these comments as we get out of here for a fantastic uh, show. Bryce, do you think Georgia Tech still makes a bowl game? I do not. Um, no, I don't think they do. I think that right now you're looking at the best-case scenario for me is going to be five and seven, and I think worst case the rest of the way is three and nine. I think I don't think you beat Clemson, North Carolina, or Georgia. I think best case you're probably going to be able to beat a, um, and I probably just spoiled Thursday's show, but I don't think it is where we're at. Um, I think you could beat Virginia and Syracuse, and maybe you can upset ones, but you've dug yourself a hole. You, you've dug yourself a hole. That's kind of where I see that. So. Keep rolling through the comments here as we round out tonight's show. Mike Elko was hired by Duke in December 21. His first year at Duke, he is 14 and 6. 14 and 6 is also a demanding academic school. I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm a Duke fan. Like, Dr. Bob, I'm not joking. I will trade you a Crowdaboo t shirt for a Duke shirt. And I was a aforementioned North Carolina basketball fan. I, I will fully commit to the Duke Blue Devils. And I will get a helmet and put it somewhere because Mike Elko is the real deal. You talk about a guy that can coach some football. 
Guys, and people talking about, well, talent rating, a 24-7 composite talent rating. I don't care. Duke has the 13th best, and they are one of the best 25 teams in college football. It's talking about the elite coaching that you have on your staff to elevate it. If Duke continues, and, and then, that's the way to build a program. You coach above it to be able to do what they're doing, and then what do you do? You then turn around, and they're going to get some better players, and they're going to become, you know, they're not going to get all the five stars, but they're going to put together a decent recruiting class, and then what's going to happen? Maybe they compete for an ACC title. You want to see how it could be done. Duke is is providing the formula right now for Georgia Tech. And also, folks, they're really kind of quietly investing a lot into what's going on in their athletics, which Georgia Tech's got to do. All right, let's roll through. we got five more questions we're going to get to before we get out of here for the evening. Thanks so much for tuning in. Their record matches their play. Can they go bowling? Maybe, but it'll depend on playing complimentary football. And, Matt, there's just not enough a data point for me to be able to see it. The, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, getting beat on the same fourth down play twice in the same game is terrible. Yeah, it's pitiful. It's pitiful. It goes back to coaching for me. It, it's just it's just nuts. It's an execution. Really missing Charlie Thomas and Ace Ely. 110% agreed. I want to get to one more comment, Ralph. Was that the last one right there? I think we need more design. King runs, pass to runways in the backfield. Also, just more easy throws for King. Slant screen passes to get yards when caught. Fair enough. Let's go to Mr. Singh, and this is where we're going to wrap it up here. Last comment of the board. Appreciate you, Mr. Singh, as well, as always. If TCU can get a playoff game with no five stars, we can at least get a bowl eligible for talent. I'm not going to tell you, I don't buy into the hype that star rankings don't matter. They do. You take a look. The teams that are able to make it are uh, addendums to the rule. They are the, uh, they're not the norm. (coughs) That being said, I think that this team should have gotten to a bowl game. They, like, let's just let's just kind of go back on that schedule. Let's just look at it for a second. As we we got we got about a, a minute and a half left going here. You lose to Louisville, okay. You beat South Carolina State. You beat Wake Forest. You beat Bowling Green. That's three. Okay, that's three wins. You beat Miami. That's four. You should have won. That's five. You got to find a way to win one between North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson, Syracuse, and Georgia. And you probably should have beat. Um, Louisville, and if I'm being honest, there was a path of seven wins, eight wins at point this season, and you blew it. You blew it because of bad coaching, bad discipline, and I think I, I don't want to know if it's, I think it's just it's just it's just not good, not great leadership in in that sense. So very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to watch. I do agree with you as well. Hey, my name is Bryce Coon. Thanks so much for tuning in, Ralph. Over the past hour, been in the background hanging out with you guys. We appreciate it. Every single Sunday and Thursday night, we're going to be live seven thirty and eight seven thirty Eastern, eight thirty. 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern. I always get that mixed up. 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central. We're going to be live every single Sunday and Thursday night talking about Georgia Tech. And we're going to probably sprinkle in a film review at some point this week. If you guys want it live, let me know. If you want it pre-recorded, we can also do that as well. But we're going to uh, probably have to do that over on our Twitch channel. So it'll uh, it'll be very interesting. Here we go, right here. Last question. Surely you think key, the calls to fire key are stupid, though, right? Yeah, I think uh, I do. I think right now it is. I, I don't agree with it right now. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think you fire key. And year one's always going to be a project. I am disappointed, though, in in the the mentality, the discipline, the passiveness of this team at times. That's what I'm disappointed in. Hey, we appreciate it. My name is Bryce Coon. We will catch you next time here on Swarm Talk. We appreciate it. 
We're going to play a fantastic outro if it's the first time you heard it. Hey, we appreciate you being a part of the crowd of booth. My name is Bryce Coon. Make sure to subscribe to the channel if you're listening after the fact, whether that's radio across East Alabama and West Georgia, whether it's on our podcast feed, wherever you may be. Continue supporting the crowd of booth. Join our Discord for great conversation. Head over to thecrowdofbooth.com. Check out our merch as well. We get ready. Tomorrow night, we're recapping all of college football. It's going to be a lot of fun. My name is Bryce Coon. We'll see you next time. Coming on. The Crowded Booth with Bryce Coon.